Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, employability and careers consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. The purpose of today really is to get our current trainees, who are going to be graduating at the end of this year, some top tips, I suppose, on employment, seeking, looking for employment, and getting some information for insights from you about the sorts of things you're looking for and what our trainees might be able to do to enliven their applications as they progress through those systems. So a quick round of introductions. My name is Luke. I work for the Graduate School of Education. I'm deputy for secondary programs and I think probably best divide just hand over to you and you introduce yourselves and maybe talk a little bit about your situation and how you like to work with recruitment. Of course thank you and good evening everyone and it's great to uh, to be here. Exeter School for those of you who don't know us is a stone's throw from St Luke's and it is an independent school we're a co-educational school we have children from the age of three in our pre-prep which is at Exminster all the way through to 18 and we have just over a thousand pupils on our two sites most of them here where I am at the moment and about 65 or so in our pre-prep and we have a big staff as well and one of the things that's unusual maybe about independent schools and that you might not have the chance to to do if you work in uh, just in the state sector is quite often we have cross-phase teaching so if that's something that's interesting for you to work both in primary and in secondary then um, then that's possible in a school like ours it might not be possible um, in others so um, and I would say I never went to an independent school and yet my career has been solely in independent education and um, and don't be put off if you have no background in independent schools it doesn't mean that we won't look at you as a, a fantastic addition to our staff team Uh, And I know sometimes there's a bit of a a kind of, oh, goodness me, it's all very different there. And how will I fit in and and, and will it work for me? Uh, But please don't be put off by that because we're a great school uh, and schools like ours are looking for uh, great new ECTs like you. So um, please do, you know, have a go, even if you've never set foot in a school like ours uh, before. I would say you're lucky you're in a great university. Uh, We work with Exeter on our ECT programme uh, and uh, whilst we haven't actually got any ECTs for Exeter this year we do normally have two cohorts of two at different times in different subjects and different phases and we also offer an ECT programme after qualification which I'll tell you something about because that's again something you might not imagine is possible in uh, in an independent school. So that's a little bit about um, us. I can't emphasise enough the importance of really personalising your application to our school. I find it really irritating when I'm reading things which clearly have been churned out to very many different schools. They don't mention my school, they don't show any knowledge or understanding of our school context. They really do your homework, otherwise I'm afraid you do end up in the shredder. We would much rather, you know, fewer applicants who really want to be with us than people that just send out an application to absolutely everywhere. So I would really um, emphasise that. And yeah, and someone else said, make sure you know, you know, things like the gender of the uh, head and uh, and that kind of thing, you know. 
and also what the head is known as you know is it a headmaster is it a head teacher is it a principal those things show that you've done a little bit of background research and um and they really do shine through when you're being, remember you're being compared with other people and not just looked at um, in your own right so it, that's what i would say in terms of um, applications we're not just looking for what you do in the classroom we're looking for a whole lot more and that would therefore be something that we would want you to emphasize in your application to us maybe you've got a passion for music maybe you're a fabulous sports person maybe you really want to run uh, the duke of edinburgh's award maybe you want to get involved with running i don't know dungeons and dragons club or you want to uh, get involved with trips and visits overseas our staff do all of those things and um, and so we would want you to and most independent schools will be looking for that as well as what's brilliant about your classroom practice so really think about um, what you can give that makes you not just a great colleague but also a great role model for the pupils we really focus on character education here at our school and so you know what can you do to develop the character of our pupils and that doesn't just happen in the classroom so we would be looking and in our application form we do include questions about that but you know pick that up in your um, application to an independent school because they will be looking for that they'll also be looking for your commitment to pastoral care and the well-being of pupils and um, so you know if you've had any experience tutoring if you've ever done any, uh, I don't know, things like running guide companies and going away on camps and, uh, and doing residentials, that sort of thing, or if you've ever had any experience in a boarding house of any sort, those can be really transferable skills into the pastoral care system um, in a school like ours. And so we would really want you to, to include that in your letter as well. So in your application, we would want sort of three sections. One would be around your teaching and learning, your commitment to your subject and to, to um, being passionate in the classroom. And then we would want you to think about the co-curricular. So what can you do to enrich the lives of pupils and develop their character? And then finally, how will you be involved in our pastoral care and what will you do to look after the children and make sure that they really flourish and not just in the classroom, as I say, but beyond. So those are the sort of three sections that all independent schools, I think, would be looking for. And certainly that's what we're looking for in our applications. When you come along on the day, uh, I mean, I agree, don't wear leggings. Goodness me, if you do that, I'll kick you out. <laughs> and, you know, be smart, but also get the measure of the school. So we don't all necessarily wear suits in my school. We are smartly dressed, but we're not, you know, not sort of smart business dress, whereas maybe an inner London independent school might be like that. So, so you know, someone mentioned um, have a visit to the school if you can. If that's not possible, you know, have a look on the website. You get you get some clues there as to how people dress and what's seen as being the normal, the normal kind of um, approach to that. So I would pay notice to that. On our interview day, we usually give a task as well. So there might be something that we ask you to do that isn't just an interview or a lesson. Um, you'll have a tour. You'll probably meet with pupils. That's really important for us. So there might be a panel of pupils for you to engage with, and um, we would. Uh, you know be looking for you to really engage and I when I'm in schools I'm always really curious I look at what's on the walls I go and talk to the kids and even if someone's trying to sort of hurry me along and I would say be confident about this do the same you know don't don't be hurried along if you're having a conversation with a pupil that says something to the interviewers about how you interact with kids 
and they'll want to see that. Whereas if you just kind of go along in your own world and you don't even notice what's going on around you or don't show an interest, then that might be seen as being negative. So, you know, get the measure of it. If they're if they're fed up and they're looking at their watches, then maybe you do need to move on. But, you know, show proactive interest um, in the environment. And we normally get pupils to do the tours. So that's a really good opportunity to talk to children and, um, and find out from them what it's like to be here. And, you know, it might not be the right school for you. And you might find that out through talking to the children. So, you know, that's that they, they know far better than we do what happens in class and what it's like to uh, to study here. So those are the things I would say. And just be yourself. You know, if you don't, if you're not yourself on interview day, then you're going to have a dreadful time if we appoint you because you won't be the person that we thought you were going to be. So, uh, you know, be honest with yourself. You can't bear wearing a suit and you turn up in a suit and we want you to wear a suit, then you're not going to be happy working in our school, wearing a suit every day. So just little things like that, you know, try and match the school with the kind of person that you are, I would say. Be authentic, that's um, a good word for it. Finally, thinking about what happens once you've been appointed, and, and we do appoint ECTs over experienced teachers. I, I know that, that people might think that doesn't happen very much in a school like ours, but we do. Uh, we have two ECTs um, in school at the moment. Uh, they're doing brilliantly. They're both in their first year of teaching. Uh, we've got one in her second year of teaching. We've got one who's doing his PGCE with Buckingham University and doing basically essentially on his placements with us this year. So uh, we do that um, and we like to have a, a spread of age ranges and experience ranges and that's one way a good way of doing it we are members of an organization called um, hmc the heads conference and uh, through the heads conference with all other independent school most other independent schools we use the independent schools teacher induction panel istip as our ect provider and um, they are the biggest provider of ect um, induction programs in the country and they sign off all your processes and, and everything and follow this the induction program that's nationally accepted and recognized so please don't worry if you come to work in an independent school uh, you will get signed off you will have a mentor you will have uh, a buddy you will have all the support that you need and you'll have ongoing professional development that's specific for you as a, a new teacher to the to the organization and to the profession in general and um, and you will be able to go and work in the state sector once you've got that qualification and i know that's something again that often people are a bit worried about can you go in and out of the sectors and the answer to that is absolutely you can so uh, hopefully that reassures you all and i think um, i'll leave it at that i think that gives you a sense of of why it might be good to work in a school like ours thank you louise that was really really helpful um, there are some questions that have come in and we'll try and group the questions into themes one of the question themes is about the practicalities of the day so perhaps just to give a quick overview what would you expect how long are you going to be teaching for how long is the interview who are you going to meet who are you going to know about before you meet them and who's going to make the decision between the nine o'clock that i arrived and the 12 30 that you send me home what am I going to be doing while I'm on site? So I think you would be with us a bit longer than that. We would normally offer you lunch and, and you would be at school for most of the day. Um, obviously, if you've got a long distance of travel, we can try and kind of work that through. We normally have about four or five candidates uh, and we will have a, a programme where there's a little bit of free time for you as well in the day. And we, and we encourage you to not go and opening, you know, people's desk drawers and things, but certainly... To, you have some freedom in that time to explore. 
Normally speaking, you'll meet uh, the department, you'll meet most of the senior leading leadership team, you'll meet pupils, you'll be given a tour of the school. As I said, you'll have an interview lesson, probably only one, unless we specifically want to, to test particular things. If you are going to be a general science teacher and do, I don't know, biology at A-level, then we might want to do both of those. So a key stage three and a, and a biology A-level lesson, although that is unusual that we would do that, but uh, we, might, we might decide to do that. And normally we have at least two interview panels. Um, I tend to interview candidates on my own. And then we normally have a panel, which would usually include uh, the deputy head academic, the head of department, and probably another deputy. So probably three on that panel. And they would be the kind of teaching and learning type questions. I tend to do the career aspiration, uh, other bits. So the things um, around enrichment and um, pastoral and that kind of thing. And, and also what the motivation is. And, and I always start by saying, why are you here? Why I'm sitting on my sofa and what's the, what's the reason for that? And that that uh, moves into further um, conversations. And I do the safeguarding um, elements as well. So that's in, in the conversation that I have. And as I say, there's often a pupil panel. So a little group uh, sitting and, and, and talking. We always ask pupils what they think of the lesson as well. So uh, they give us a bit of feedback on the lesson and tell us who they think we should employ. And they're, all, they're always right. <laughs> And then, so it probably if you arrived at sort of nine, you'd probably be ready to go 2.30, three o'clock time. You'd be there for most of the day, I think. Um, and we try to make our decisions either the next day or certainly before the end of the week. So we try to, and we, I always ring candidates and I give them the good or, and the bad news. And, um, and you, I always give feedback if they want it as well. So, uh, so that's how the process works um, for us. That's brilliant. Thank you, Louise. I'm going to move on to another conglomerate, which is a word I've created especially for today of questions, which is to do with the sorts of the point where they say, have you got any questions for us? And I've had quite a few people contacting us to say, what do you do at that point? And, and I think they come under two themes. So one of them is that the interview day is also a day for you to suss out the school and to make a decision about whether this is the right institution for you. But also, you don't want to look like a, a fool with nothing to say or with only facile questions. So is, is there maybe some guidance there about how should the ECTs frame that opportunity to find out if this is the right institution for them? And is that the point? Is that the point in the interview process where they should be asking those questions? Or is that a question that should be waiting for, for later on? Yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to ask questions because there's nothing more frustrating than offering a job to someone who then doesn't accept it because the the terms and conditions aren't what they were hoping for. So, for example, in some independent schools, you don't get a teacher's pension. So, you know, that that is a question that needs to be asked. Are you in the teacher's pension scheme? We are as a school, but not all. In, well, lots of independent schools are not. So, you know, if you offer a job, as I say, if you offer a job and then they discover something so fundamental as that, which they just assumed, then, you know, they might end up withdrawing their their acceptance. And that's no good for anybody. So I think I wouldn't get into the nitty gritty and make it look like you're really picky or pedantic about things. But general things like do you offer a timetable reduction or I would suggest unless we are in June and we're desperate for somebody at that point, timetables probably aren't written. Probably it's not possible to answer some of those questions anyway, but it's just very sensible to be open and transparent. Very, very sensible to do that. So 
Thank you. And I take from your, from your answer then that might also be an appropriate point to talk about pay if you felt you had a, a case to put to the panel at that point. I guess so. And again, thinking, you know, are your pay scales more or less the same as the state sector or, you know, is there responsibility allowances allowed for X, Y or Z might be a very sensible question. Most ECTs probably wouldn't ask that question, but that doesn't mean that you can't. That's fantastic. I've got, I've got one final question, which is a very, very specific question. And clearly this has come from somebody for whom this has happened. So they've said they, they've applied for a job. They've asked the school if they can go for a visit. and The school said no. Should that be a red flag to the person that is applying for the job? Um, Louise, is that anything that you would raise a red flag over? I mean, I'm sure you would accept candidates to, to view if they wanted prior to interview. Well, actually, maybe not. No, we, we don't necessarily, because it means that some candidates might have an unfair advantage, because if not everyone can attend for a visit, mm. then the person who's had a visit might you know, already have sidled up someone uh, and etc. So generally speaking, we don't encourage it. And it's not because we're trying to cover anything up. We have visitors in our school all the time. Uh, we're very open about that. But we want everyone to have the same experience and to have the same opportunity on the day. And if you're a distance away and you can't um, come around as compared with someone who, you know, lives very locally and it feels like there's a slight disadvantage. So we, we don't offer it. I guess if somebody asked, we would think about it, but it's not something that we would necessarily um, encourage because it, it might lead to unfairness and we try to be as transparent as fair as possible. But you, but you would make that rationale explicit to the candidates? It, it wouldn't yeah. be a, a Machiavellian manoeuvring no, on no, your part? And just to give you an example, okay, so a couple of years ago, well, in fact, last year we were appointing an assistant head and we had 120 applications. Now, if all of them wanted to come along, there's just no way we would have, and lots of them did ask. And we said, we're really sorry, we've got too many applicants to uh, to manage that. Uh, and, um, and, you know, if you get invited to interview, uh, I think we had a long list of 10 or something. We had two assistant head jobs. And so we did at that point, but it, it just you know, it would t there was too many to manage. So um, so we just couldn't physically do it. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving your time this evening. We really do appreciate your uh, contributions and your amazing insights into that process. It is massively appreciated. Thank you. This was the Career Zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag careerzonepodcast at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram, and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.